This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. In granting your desire permission to live within you and to move through you, you are in conscious communion with the energy that creates and sustains all things. Valeria Tellez interviews Christy Whitman, the author of The Desire Factor, How to Embrace Your Materialistic Nature to Reclaim Your Full Spiritual Power. Christy Whitman is a transformational leader, celebrity coach, and law of attraction expert, as well as the two-time New York Times best-selling author of The Art of Having It All and Taming Your Alpha Bitch. Both books were well-received by the media. Christy has appeared on the news, The Today Show, The Morning Show, TEDx, and the Hallmark Channel, and her work has been featured in the media in various publications. She's been featured in Goalcast, People Magazine, 17, Women's Day, Hollywood Life, and Teen Vogue, to name a few. Christy is the CEO and founder of the Quantum Success Learning Academy and Quantum Success Coaching Academy, a 10-month Law of Attraction coaching certification program. Christy has helped certify over 3,000 life coaches and has helped countless others to unlock their power to manifest. She also hosts conscious couple retreats with her husband, Frederick. Meet Christy at ChristyWhitman.com. Here is the interview with Christy Whitman. In your own words, who is Christy Whitman? Oh, well, I'm a, I'm a seeker. I'm a person that's always seeking to connect more to light and to bring forth light into the world. Um, on the, the roles that I play, I'm a wife, I'm a mom of two, I'm a business owner, I'm a coach, I'm an author. Uh, but really, I'm, I'm a woman that's very empowered by light, by serving and grateful for what I get to do in the world. And expectations for life. What do you want from life at this time? For me, it's really about partnering with life. I feel like my life is my life partner. It's energy. It's, you know, it, it's it's relying on me as much as I'm relying on it to create and to bring the fullness of myself to every moment that I can and in every interaction and everything that I'm doing. And that's what I expect from life is to be there fully for me as I'm fully there for it. Your work and the way you speak, it sounds very, let's say, spiritual. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it's coming from spirituality. Am I correct? This is a spiritual practice? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you, yes, that's, yes, definitely. And when people think of spirituality, it's kind of like, oh, is that religion? It's definitely not, you know, it's more, I talk a lot about energy and light 
And, you know, so, so kind of making it a little bit more grounded in, you know, in how to apply it into our daily lives and how to be able to be the energy master of our lives and be able to kind of create in the physical with the non-physical. And a question that I often ask is the choice of being in a human body. Do you think we chose to be here consciously? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I channel the council and the council even says that, that we all make a conscious choice. We choose our situations and our circumstances because that's what love looks like. And so even in the worst kind of scenarios, when someone says, how could that look like love? Well, from a, the soul's perspective, its perspective is to literally be and receive and recognize love. And even in the worst kind of scenarios where there isn't love or there's absence of love for the soul to remember that in that situation, that's like the, that's the dance of the soul. Do you think that there's an end to that dance? Oh, it keeps dancing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's love energy, mm -hmm. you know, it's unlimited, it's unending. And, and so we can, you know, drop our bodies in the way that we know ourselves to be as, you know, a woman or a man and our personal personality and their characteristics and the name that we have, and then go back into non-physical and then come back in, you know, so it, it always is a forever going out and coming in kind of like breath. When you think about it, it's just on a bigger scale. It's like, it's always a flow in and a flow out. How did you come to these understandings, Christy? So about 25 years ago, I think maybe even over 25 years ago now, um, I met a woman that was cutting my hair. I lived in Northern California and I was at a really uh, very discouraged, very down place in my life. I had just moved from Chicago to Northern California for a, a guy and he ended up being a jerk and, uh, and one of those kind of bad guys. I was always attracted to the bad type of boys. And so I was here, I was in Northern California. I'm no longer there, but I was in Northern California. I didn't know anybody. I had no family, no friends around me. The guy that I moved there with, I'd broken up with. And I got my hair cut from this woman who just had this just joy about her. And so she told me that she meditated and I had no frame of reference for meditation. I always thought of someone that meditated with some kind of guru guy <laughs> sitting on top of a mountain in a yogi position, omen, right? With yeah. a white, white you know, robe and <laughs> white beard and all that. <laughs> and so um, she introduced me to her meditation teacher. And when I went to go visit uh, Melanie, I went to her house and I walked in and she's got, you know, clinky clanky music on and candles and incense and all these different statues. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, what am I getting myself into? And, uh, you know, we sat on the floor on a cushion and the first thing that she said to me literally changed my life. She said, you create your own reality. And this is, you know, 25 years ago, this is before the internet, this is, you know, before we had the secret or any other information that was out there. And so I became a student of learning about energy and learning about how to meditate and how to transform lower energy, stuck energy, lack energy into abundant energy and flowing energy. And as I was doing that, I was seeing my life absolutely transform. And, you know, my choices of men changed and the level of self-love that I had and the level of success that I had and just everything really um, shifted. So I, I was first a student applying this in my own life, completely saying my life just flip upside down. And about five years into practicing, that's when my first book downloaded through me. 
And I got the book published, started speaking in spiritual bookstores and churches, and people started asking me to coach them. And again, no frame of reference for a coach. This is 20 years ago. I, I thought they meant like a cheerleading coach or a football coach. And so I pursued, I loved the feeling of coaching. So I pursued that as a career. And so here I am 20 years later, coaching and writing books and helping yeah. to help, you know, people transform in their lives. Yeah, and I'm so glad you are. And another question that just came to mind is, does it always take meditation? Is that something that's fundamental? Or can we access the energy, the understanding of self or life without meditation? Well, there's many ways of, I mean, there's many avenues and meditation can take many different aspects. I mean, you know, some would say meditation is sitting in a quiet room and, you know, listening to music. Um, some could say you could literally be in nature and watch a sunset. And that's a form of meditation. You know, when we're when we're in that place of just even being at the ocean's edge and just watching the waves go in and out, I mean, that's a really reflective type of place. And, you know, walking through a beautiful forest or, you know, taking a walk, a meditative walk, a mindful walk. So meditation comes in many, many different forms. And, and being in meditation is really being in a space of presence. And yes, coming into a place of presence, whether again, if you're watching an ocean or you're watching a sunset or a sunrise or a moonrise, or you're sitting in quiet, listening to music or just watching a candle flicker, coming back into presence of self. So you're aware of your energy. You're aware of the words that you're speaking and the thoughts that you're thinking and the emotions that you're either feeling or not and the perspectives that you're holding. I mean, these are important things so that we know ourselves and we understand how are we vibrating? How are we transmitting energy out into the universe? Because that ultimately will be what we get back. Yeah. So it is um, being almost in alignment. You mentioned that word in the book, the first principle, alignment. So being in alignment with the flow of life, the dance of life itself. Yeah, I do see ourselves as life itself, not separate from life. Would you say that judgment or thinking it's what separates us from that flow? Oh, absolutely. When we are in judgment of ourselves or others, when we're being critical, when we're being condemning, when we're persecuting ourselves, any any type of activity we're complaining about ourselves or somebody else or the way life is, when we're in victim consciousness, where it's like nothing ever works out for me, why doesn't life, why can't I seem to ever, you know, poor me, when we feel like, you know, when we feel like we're truly separate from what it is that we, what we, what is breathing us, when we're in drama, struggle, chaos of any kind, all competition, when we're competing or comparing ourselves with others, all of these ways are things that pull us out of alignment. And to release them, to let them go, is literally what brings us back into alignment. How do you define power these days? What is to be powerful? Well, when you are in alignment, you are powerful. Because when you're in alignment, and what alignment really means is that you're feeling good, you're, you're flowing with life, you have all the power of the universe. You have pure potentiality flowing through you, with you, creating with you and for you. And that's powerful. It's a, it's a very energetic, spiritual power 
very different from personal power where we have to force things to happen. We have to power over, power under, you know, where it takes a lot of action, where we have to almost be controlling and manipulative. Spiritual power, energetic power is that presence. It's this, that complete alignment with the truth of who we are and that feeling of feeling good. It's a, that enjoyment that comes from freedom, I would say, that kind of, yes. uh, if I know what freedom is, and this is a question for you, what would be that state of freedom, Christy? What is to be free to you? Well, here's the thing is that all of us are free. We have free will mm, and choice. Right. So we, we always have right. an option to find that flow and to find that expansiveness and find that ah feeling in everything, right? Whether it's making day-to-day -day plans, we either feel stuck, we feel like we're in bondage, we feel like we don't have choices, we feel we're limited, or we have the option of looking at what are our choices and what are our options and then choosing which option feels best for us. And that is freedom. So going back to this understanding that we are already free or we have the choice to flow, to dance, to move, however we, whatever direction we choose to go, for some reason we lose track of that. Would you say, I think we just asked you the question about thoughts. So some people say that we don't need thoughts. We are not thoughts and we don't need them. How do you see this idea of thoughts and freedom? Can we be free from thoughts? Yes, we can have freedom thoughts. I mean, you can have, we, we, I'm sorry, but you cannot be devoid of thoughts. We are all, we have a, everything here that we have, everything that's part of our universe, part of our physical life experience was included to be in the oneness, in the wholeness. It's, you can't say, okay, kill the ego, or you can't say, stop thinking, you know, or stop feeling. Everything is included. And thoughts, when those thoughts are focused on freedom thoughts, are, are focused on feeling good, are focused on what we appreciate, what we're grateful for, the positive aspects of our life, it includes feeling, it connects with the feelings of being free or enjoy, but yeah. we cannot not think. Maybe it's the attachment to certain thoughts, because I do believe that inspiration or thoughts that come from intuition, they are completely different. They have a different weight, quality to them. Oh, absolutely. When you, when you're thinking from a perspective of lack, that you don't have enough, you're not worthy, you're not valuable, you're not important, there's not enough to go around. Those kind of thoughts make us feel bad. And they're not of the divine. They're not of our life force. They are, they are completely man-made, if you will. It's based on our own conditioning. A lot of times it's made because we were either told it by someone that had already been imprinted by lack and limitation, or when we were young, you know, when we are young and most, most human beings walk around with the same kind of concrete thinking, it's either good or bad, up or down, left or right. There's no shades of gray. And so if someone say you're a child and your dad is not paying attention to you because he's working or he's, you know, talking to your mom or, you know, mom and dad are making the meal and, and they're not paying attention to how cute you are dancing around the house. And you then make a decision that I'm not worthy of their attention, right? That decision creates an imprint. And even though it's not 
true, right? That decision gets very implemented, gets concrete in our thinking, and then it forms us, it shapes us, it creates our reality. And then we were raised thinking that, oh, the, the people that love me really don't love me, or the people that say they love me really don't care about me, or I'm not important to the people that love me. So you wrote the book, your seventh book, called titled The Desire Factor, How to Embrace Your Materialistic Nature to Reclaim Your Full Spiritual Power. So my initial questions to you, the intention, the first question, what was the initial inspiration and the intention of writing this book? Well, so many people I see and I have seen for over the past 20 years is like they, people have a desire, but then they suppress the desire. They talk themselves out of the desire. They literally don't give themselves permission because their mind, that same mind that we're talking about kicks in and says, well, that's superficial, or that's not spiritual, or that's not, that's impossible. Or how are you going to do, you don't know how to do that. (laughs) Right. And so the mind, right. It's like, you get this where desires come from. If it's something that's not ready to harm or hurt another person, when you receive a desire that just, you feel like, oh yes, I would love to do that. I would love to be that. I would love to experience that. I would love to have that. When you have that expansiveness, that came from your divine life partner. That came from a higher perspective, but it's us that either goes, yes, I'm flowing with that. I love that idea. I'm going to keep myself in alignment. I'm going to stay focused on the having of that. I'm just, I'm just going to stay in love with this idea. I'm going to take whatever action I need to move into that desire. Or we go, Ooh, I like that, but we don't do anything with it. So the energy completely dissipates and it doesn't move us. It doesn't expand us or we get negative with it. Oh, I would love to do that, but no one in my family's ever done that. Oh, I'd love to do that, but that's not possible for me. You know, nothing ever works out for me that way. Or, or we, we say, Oh, well, that's just, that's shallow. Yeah. Right. That's, that's materialistic. And you're saying we do this because of conditioning. We are dwelling in this limited way of thinking, way of being, really. Yeah, we don't give ourselves permission to go along with the life force that has given us this birthing of this desire, which really it's not ever about the desire. It's about who we become in the process of the desire. Because as you follow and flow with that desire, whether it manifests exactly as you think it's going to, or it even manifests in a very different form, as long as you're flowing with it, you're growing, you're expanding, you're experiencing. And the end result, yes, the human being gets to benefit from it. They get to either live in the house or drive the car or have the money in the bank or have the partner or see the sites or whatever it is. But it is that energy that literally flowed through us, that expanded us that the divine is after. So everybody wins when you flow with your desires. And you're right. Even the um, the Buddhists say that desire is the root of suffering. And when you when you, when you think about it, and I, and I'm not here to debate any religions or anything, but if you you know Jay Shetty just wrote a book called Think Like a Monk, and it's a wonderful book and everything. But if you want to live like a monk, then think like a monk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you want to live like a monk, right? Yeah, right, it's true. I mean, they don't even live. They don't even sleep on a bed. Yes, they don't have a house. They don't drive a car. They don't right. have families. They don't even have a relationship. True. They get a little bowl of rice that they know that is coming every day. 
They don't get to eat all the different flavors and differences of all the different foods that are out there. They get their cup of rice. They're satisfied with that. They don't have to, you know, save money and and worry about retirement. I mean, they, they don't have, we live a very different lifestyle than someone that sleeps on, you know, a a board and basically lives in a convent or in a monastery. It's a very, it's like living like a priest. I mean, we like live a very, or a nun, we live a very different existence. And so if we want to be abundant, if we want to be aligned, if we want to have the creator that created us specifically for the creations that it's going to create through us, through the desires it gives us, well, then let's, let's think like a desire factor, you know, yeah. machine. I mean, let, like that, let's think like a creator. So I wonder if having desires and letting yourselves just flow with them, do they have anything to do with purpose of the purpose of our soul, of our lives? Yeah. When you really think about it from, from a higher perspective of when you're in alignment, right? Some might call that the path of Dharma. Yeah. It's the path of being on purpose. It's the path of being in your light, yeah. right? And when you have a desire, the desire, even though they might seem small, when you really kind of look at it from a bigger perspective, all desires lead to a bigger dream. And that bigger dream leads to the destiny. And it all leads to the sole purpose. So all of it, when you're flowing in light, when you're finding that co-creation with the divine, when you're really bringing through the energy, then you're in flow, you're in that alignment. Another question for you, it's about, before I ask you questions about the uh, the principles you mentioned in your book, maybe we won't talk about all of them. Um, expectations, how do we learn to balance or how do we deal with the idea of wanting whatever we desire for to happen, no matter what? Well, there, yeah, so there, there is a principle, there's actually two principles. There's one in the book that I talk about, about joyful expectancy So there's having your perspective where you're joyful expecting something wonderful to happen, the desire to manifest in the way that you picture it. And at some point then you give it up, meaning you surrender it. It's like this or something better. And when you have this like image that you're loving, you're seeing yourself dancing in a beautiful faraway land, or you see yourself living in that home or driving that car, having impact with a podcast or being on a stage or, you know, whatever the person having the baby, creating a family, you know, whatever the desire may be when, when you can flow and feel that and then surrender it that it's this or something better, right? I I remember when I was pregnant and I had always had this desire, I'd always had this picture in my head that I would have two kids, I'd have a boy and then I'd have a girl, right? And I remember when I was pregnant with my, my second child And I was convinced it was my expectation that I was having a girl, right? right? That that was like, I I just knew it and that's what's going to happen. And then when we went to the ultrasound, I knew they they did one like uh, pass on his arm and he had these like really beefy shoulders for a baby. And I'm like, it's a boy. And then they confirmed it's a boy. So I had a moment of, aw, You know, I had to process the disappointment. I I had a disappointment because I had pictured going shopping with her and buying all these cute little shoes and dresses and, you know, getting manicures and pedicures (laughs) and doing dress up and doing the girly stuff with a girl. And so I had to release those pictures. I had to surrender all of those images, all those expectations that it wasn't happening and then embrace the fact that 
The divine knows better for me. And now I look back and I go, I am so grateful I have two boys. I'm so grateful I have two boys that are 16 months apart. They're best friends. They love to do the same things. Sometimes they're worst enemies, but they, they keep each other entertained. If I had a girl and a boy, it'd be a different situation. I see, you know, my, my son's friends that have a sister and they don't have the same kind of relationship as two brothers. You know, I like being the only, I get my dog's male. I, we even our turtles oh, male. Wow. I oh, am wow. the female in the house right? <laughs> and I like it. I love it. So the divine has a bird's eye view on my life, on your life, on all of our lives. And even though our personality, which is great to bring in the personality, it's why we have it. Even the personality may think, Ooh, I want the girl in, in really wider, broader vision, having two boys was, was better for me to have. That might be one of the most challenging thing to do to surrender, isn't it, Christy, to just let the universe to guide us. But when you have a faith, when you have an unshakable faith, that you are in partnership. And it's not like this partner is against you or that you have to be weary of this partner. This partner loves you and adores you, is always accepting of you. It is your life. It's beating your heart. It's doing what you don't even have to do. It's taking care of things that you don't even have to think of, like digesting your food and beating your heart and, you know, taking breath when you don't deliberately take it. I mean, it's there for you. It is also the source of all energy. And all forms are created by energy. So we can never be without. Right. True. We're always supported. We tend to understand all this intellectually, but then when it comes to the um, applying all that wisdom and really living it, would you say it's a practice? Yeah. You know, you, you think about it. Most of us weren't raised. I mean, if, if you think about it, I'm now 50, right? And so I started learning about this 25 years ago. So I spent 25 years of my life programmed, imprinted around other people that believed in lack and limitation that, you know, had a religious background, but maybe not a spiritual connection, which is a big difference. And, and even me, I had a religious background, not a spiritual connection. And so to learn this and to trust it and to have faith in it and to to literally take the practice, it's one thing to know it, but it's another thing to live it and have the practice of it to literally go, all right, divine, (laughs) <laughs> I thought this was the thing, right? I, you know, we we uh, were we were creating a house, right? We wanted to buy a house, and someone came up at the last minute and um, made an offer, and the the seller accepted their offer, and it was a feeling of like, wow, I had already visualized myself in it, I already expected it, I loved the feeling of having it, I was, you know, all the parts of it. And it was a, a, an understanding of like, okay, I'm feeling disappointed because I thought it was it. So I had to release and process my emotions around it and then say, hey, you know what? I said this or something better. So guess what? I know that if this, which was amazing, wasn't it, that means that there's something better. And man, am I excited about the something better. And it's practicing that. It's understanding. It. It's like, okay, from my vantage point, I thought this was the one, or I thought he was the one, or she was the one, or that job was the one, or that promotion was the one. Okay, I'm just going to surrender, continue to be in alignment with you, trust, have faith, visualize what I want, bring in the feeling of how I want to feel, the joy, the excitement, the success, the abundance, feel those feelings and trust that the form will reveal itself that's perfect for me. 
And I know from my own experience that all the things that came into my life that I didn't plan, they were the best things, the best, the things that I could not imagine. So in a way, I could desire these things, but at a different level. But then when they happened, they happened so much better. It was unimaginable the way they happened. So that makes sense. It is the surrender and just um, flowing with life and trusting life. In a way, we can use the word trust too, right, Christy? That's another word I usually use. Yeah. I mean, you know, I like to think of trust is kind of like a a little bit lesser than faith. Like when you have faith, right? right? And here's the thing is that we cannot get more faith. We're we're practicing faith all the time. It's kind of like we said, you cannot not think. We're thinking all the time. But where are you placing your faith? Are you placing your faith on what you want or are you placing your faith on what you don't want? Yeah. Like I mentioned before, we all in a way, in touch with this knowledge, with this wisdom, we all know, interestingly, it's so challenging to practice. We tend to focus on the things that we don't want. Yeah, we're programmed that way. But the more you do it, the easier it gets. And like I said, it's not about just understanding the concepts. It's about truly applying it. And that's why I love the way you arranged your book. You have all the steps, the seven steps. I love the way you titled them too. Because those words, they're so, I mean, they they resonate with the soul. Loving, surrender, joyful, focus. That was principle two, the principle of focus. Talk to me for a moment about the two powerful categories that you put focus. You have two of them. Let me see if I have here. I do. You can choose to focus either on the abundant nature of the universe. Actually, we have been talking about this, really, or the evidence of lack you see in front of you. And the other one you choose, you can choose to focus either ahead of time on what you want or after the fact on what happened. So talk to me about the second one, because I think we didn't mention the time, this idea of time. Well, yeah, you know, there's a lot of people that will get in a relationship with time in a very lack, like I don't have enough time, right? I've got too much to do and not enough time. And when we are in that spiral of perceiving that there's a lack of anything, including time, right? We, we feel bad. We feel rushed. We feel there there's procrastination that happens a lot of times. There's a rush, rush, rush. There's not a connection to flow. And so it's this perception that we need to change. And it's telling ourselves that I do have, you know, I have enough time. I have perfect amount of time to get and complete what I want to do. And, you know, in the beginning, when you're kind of playing with that, it's like, but I, but I don't, I wish I had time, right? It's all perception, if you know, because what happens yeah. is as you learn how to stretch, I guess it's all energy, but as like you know how to learn how to stretch time, mm-hmm. you get so much more done in time because time and space literally is a perception. It's subjective. It, and it, when you when you start to believe that yeah. you've got a perfect amount of time in the day, yeah. it, you stretch that time, you get a lot more done. So what do you think is the ultimate purpose of the human experience, Christy? To thrive and to feel good, to create, to literally partner with the divine. I mean, it's, it's no wonder that the divine chose each one of us so uniquely different from each other. And we're all diverse. 
we're all the same mm-hmm. in the sense that we all have two arms, two legs, you know, mm-hmm. most of us, or two, two eyes, one nose, one mouth. None of us are walking around with two mouths or two noses, <laughs> right? That's we're all, funny. Yeah. We're, <laughs> it's true, right? None of us have beaks or tails or wings. <laughs> I mean, we are programmed as a human being, but the, but the quality, when you really think about it, superimposed on there is some people have dark hair, some people have white hair, blonde hair, some people have no hairs, you know, some people are short, some people are tall, some people are big bones, some people are small bones. I mean, there's diversity. And then you have, you know, some people had this religion growing up and some people were born in this country and some people were born with one parent. Some people were born with two parents that were in a loving relationship. Some people were born with two parents that were in a horrible relationship. Some come from a divorced family. Some come from two men in the family, two, two dads. Some come from two, two women. It's so diverse. And all of our experiences are shaped by those outer conditions. And we're able to then create differently because of them and, and our personalities, our preferences, what we've been exposed to. Like if you were, you could have two people that had the potential of being a great piano player, but if one person never even saw a piano and the other person was raised and had piano lessons, right? It's like, it's what we're exposed to that molds us and shapes us. If you were given a guitar when you were four years old, you know, you probably are going to play the guitar or you're like, Ooh, I hate the guitar. I'm not going to play it, but you were exposed to it. You were conditioned with it. Someone that's never even seen a guitar they're not going to be able to play the guitar because they don't even know what it is, not even right. in their consciousness. So, yeah, whatever we're exposed to, especially at a young, younger age, yeah, stays with us for a long time. I wonder if there's a point where we are actually free from conditionings. Do you believe that or have you experienced that? Yeah. I mean, more and more I'm living my life free of conditions where I'm not getting my emotions upset. I mean, you know, look at what happened last year with COVID and everything. I, you know, people say, oh, it's been such a rough year. I chose to make it a great year. I chose to just, I mean, savor the time that I had with my kids at home. I chose to, you know, be grateful that I was literally in downtime and I took it upon myself to finish my book as well as watch a lot of movies with my family you know, and, and, uh, saved a lot of money by not traveling and not going on different things and having a big 50th birthday party. I, you know, it's all choice how we choose to look at things. And when we choose to choose joy, no matter what, when we choose to feel good, no matter what the circumstances or situations are, then we are in, we are masterful of our lives instead of being controlled by the conditions of our lives. Do you also believe in time in a sense of um, lifetimes that we have many lifetimes to explore and to get those uh, conditionings evolve? Is that possible to um, be free from those conditionings in one lifetime? Absolutely. It's it's transmuting and and doing di- a di- like a diligence, be having a commitment to bring in light where there's resistance. And when you transmute the resistance into light, that energy is gone. When you really get it, everything is energy and that whatever energy that we have created in the world of forms and conditions and circumstances, feelings, emotions, all, all of those things, it's all energy. And so if you understand that from the highest level, if you bring in a different energy and shift it, then the forms change. Everything that you say in your book just makes sense to me because it has been a practice. It has been a challenge at the same time. 
Yeah, interesting journey. We are almost at the end, but I do have another question for you about teaching children these ideas and perspectives on the divine and the flow of life. Have you been teaching your own children? Oh, so, yeah, since before they could even, you know, speak. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do they understand, Christy? Are they able to understand? Yeah, I mean, they like I said, they they've been talked about consequences and rewards because it's like what you give out, you get back. Um, you know, we've talked I've talked to them about law of attraction since they were younger, what the energy is that, you know, taking responsibility for their energy for processing their emotions and choosing how they want to feel. Um, when my, you know, son, for example, would get negative or kind of have that, um, I have a perfect example. One night my husband told him what my oldest son know about something. And so I was telling him, I'm like, you know, how loved you are. And he goes by you. And I go, what do you mean? And he goes, daddy is so strict. He's so, you know, he won't give me this and he won't give me that. And I said, well, let me show you how much daddy does love you. All the food that he gives you and the places he takes you and the fact that he's always at all your soccer games and he's really involved in your schoolwork and he's, you know, spends time with you. He takes you to the park with your friends. And, you know, I just started naming all these different things. I'm like, these are the ways your dad shows you that he loves you. And because he says no, that you can't eat a piece of chocolate when you've already had a piece of chocolate, that's because he loves you. And he wants you to be healthy and he doesn't want you to overdo it. And so to you, it might feel like he doesn't love you because he's not giving you what you want, but it's actually the opposite is true. He's caring about you and loves you. And he went, wow, I never thought about that. But when you have an 11 year old, that's, that makes a decision that my dad doesn't love me. I know I'm loved by my mom, but not my dad, right? That, that forms us. And so just by just by talking and being conscious and challenging those concrete decisions like that, you know, another time he was like, hey, you know what? When I wasn't at my game because we were out of a town that he plays soccer, my team won. And then I come back and my team loses. So my team is better off without me. And I said, Alex, that, that's a really bad decision. That, that's a, you know, you weren't, tell yourself I'm an important part of my team. And then the very next game he played, he scored a goal and they won the game. So I, you know, I reinforced, reinforced with them. See, you are an important part of the team, right? So anytime they talk in limitation or they say something that is limiting to them, I right. have them challenge that thought. Yeah. Thank you. Because that will be the next generation right, of human beings more empowered, we need to see more of those people in the world. Would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? I just, you know, the, the book is literally, it, it's based on seven principles, like a combination lock that go in the same order and they are universal principles. And so they're, they're not hard to understand, but when you put them in order, it, it, whatever you're desiring literally will it, it'll, it lays out the whole entire process of manifestation and it's there for everybody. It's accessible. And so, um, when you go to the desirefactor.com right away, when you pre-order the book, you're going to get three processes, energetic processes that you can get right away and start doing that are going to help you move in the direction of creating what you want. And then when the book comes out, you get four, uh, live coaching sessions with me and the council. And we go through each of the different principles of the book so that everybody can start really not only understanding them, but applying them. Because when you get these, you'll understand how powerful you truly are. 
and that nothing in our world, whether it looks so concrete and it looks like it's so, you know, uh, permanent, everything, everything can be changed by changing our energy. And we all have that ability to do that. What are three things about life you wish everyone would know before they lose the body? Well, number one is that anything that feels lack or bad, anything that's in lack is, is, it makes us feel bad and that we always have the ability to change our perspective, to change our thoughts, to change our words, to change our emotions from feeling bad to feeling good, that we have that power. So that's number one. Number two is that the divine and the universe is for us. It's not against us. And when we really start to look for ways that we are being supported, that we are loved, that we really can um, create, co-create what we want, um, we start seeing evidence of that. And the last and final thing is that, you know, we have been given free will and choice to create whatever it is that we want based on what we choose. And nobody can choose our consciousness for us. Nobody could put words in our mouth. Nobody could put thoughts in our head. Someone could do something that may make us think something, but ultimately it's us us that chooses how we want to continue to think or feel. And when we do that, we we have freedom and we can have an experience of freedom right here on earth. Yes, a billion times. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for your wisdom, sharing this profound wisdom, your beautiful work, your amazing presence. I love your presence. <laughs> you are a very light in many ways, very funny, which I relate to playfulness and light and joy. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Sir. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Yeah. So go to the desirefactor.com. That's where you can get the book and um, uh, christywhitman.com. Any way you spell it, you'll get there. And I'm on YouTube, on Christy Whitman channel, and Instagram, Christy Whitman one. So I'm all over the place. If you search for me, you'll find me. Thank you so much again, Christy. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Okay. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Christy Whitman and her work, please visit christywhitman.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.